This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can support it at patreon.com slash toadsanime and listen to the next episode before it releases. Alternatively, spend it on something more important, like a lovely happy meal. Hello and welcome to yet another wonderful, gorgeous, sexy even, episode of Toad on Games. And I have a very special guest with me today. This is Chef Mike. Hello, hello. How are we? Hello, hello. I'm very good. Um, as we're recording, I'm on lockdown. Um, to record this, I've had to sneak into one of the spare bedrooms, which doesn't have internet. So I'm recording with my mobile data. So that's that's good. That's great. Awesome. I'm uh, in the basement hiding from my kids so they don't make too much noise. So uh, I know how that goes. That's I love it. I love adulthood, adult work during lockdown <laughs> is just hiding away from everyone. As yes, much as I, I need a few minutes to myself, please. But you know, <laughs> you gotta gotta make do with what you got. So you do indeed. Um, do you want to tell everyone uh, who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff? Sure. My name is Chef Mike Harris. So I've been a uh, research and development chef for the last fifteen or so plus years. I uh, went to culinary school, worked in restaurants and all that, but after culinary school, got into the food manufacturing and product development game. Uh, I think I'm most uh, noted for working as a corporate chef for McDonald's for four years, uh, specifically towards the U.S. menu, though, however. Um, so if you are overseas, unfortunately, I did not help develop uh, many of the items there. Um, then I left uh, McDonald's and I had the opportunity to be in a Wendy's commercial, which launched here in the United States. Um, so all my friends at McDonald's are no longer uh, friends of mine, apparently. Uh, and then, right. you know, I've always uh, I've just always been into social media, kind of trying to get a following and, and all that mm. fun stuff. I recently started my own YouTube cooking channel called Chef Mike Does Stuff. Um, and then throughout my entire life, my other passion has always been gaming and uh, nerdy stuff. So I think that's what led me here today. Yeah. So, I mean, we've known each other online for a bit. I'm not exactly sure how long. But obviously, we I, I talk about video games. So that's kind of what got us connected in the first place. Um, but... I also love a bloody Happy Meal. So on the one hand, <laughs> you've got that. You've got this on the other hand. Um, I, I saw that Wendy's ad of yours, and I did wonder uh, how that would have gone down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I left McDonald's on my own accord because I wanted to do more social media stuff and, and work on my own brand on the Internet and all that fun stuff. So um and then the wendy's twitter specifically is very good at engagement with their audience uh so they reached out and asked if i wanted to participate in something like that and i said you know what you know i long i no longer work at mickey d's i enjoyed my time there i don't have anything negative at all to say about them uh but it was just i i wanted to do other stuff so then the wendy's thing popped up and i thought that was a, a great way to capitalize on some opportunity so totally absolutely yeah yeah um Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. I mean, as you, as you mentioned, like Wendy's is such a powerful brand on social media. Like they are crazy big. Absolutely. So they're, they're very smart with actually engaging with their audience. Um, I know sometimes some people think they get a little, a uh, little tongue in cheek, a little aggressive, but you know, I feel like it's all in good fun when it's brands talking about brands, you know, it's, it's not, horrific things but they'll throw a little shade at their competition which uh you know i find pretty funny so i thought that'd be mm. a good brand to kind of uh kind of work with i love it yeah it's very old school like 
uh, like '90s Sega versus Nintendo level marketing. Yeah, um, that's right. Absolutely, Sega Nintendo level stuff. I love it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, of course, Wendy's are very uh, they're very connected into sort of the gaming sphere and the very and the nerd sphere, much like yourself. I mean, they they'll celebrate um, video game releases with you know pictures of ketchup during during images from the game and that sort of stuff. So they're very uh, they're very engaged. Yeah, absolutely. So once again, another reason why uh, I think it was a good fit to uh, yeah do some fun stuff with them. Cool. So what what is your experience with gaming then? So do do you play games? Are you still playing like modern games, or would you consider yourself a retro gamer? Because although we talk on Twitter, I don't think we've actually spoken very much about our own personal experiences and and sort of what you're interested in game, gaming. Sure, with. sure. So I was born into it. So I'm 36. Uh, I remember getting uh, a Nintendo, uh, the original NES, uh, when I was maybe five or so. I actually, my uncle had an Odyssey 2100 prior to that. So my first system that I played on was actually an Odyssey. Um, But my entire life, I've always been into games, whether that be Nintendo, um, then growing up, PC gaming. I was a little more of a PlayStation person throughout my life. I, I still am a little more, uh, you know, PlayStation guy. But um, but then also into board gaming. So I played uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Hero Quest, Battle Masters, Risk stuff like that. Growing up, uh, my pa- my uh, dad and my brother were kind of nerdy too. So we, you know, read Lord of the Rings and The Hobbits. We were into Star Wars and, and all that fun stuff growing up. So it's kind of just the thing that's been following me my entire life and even though like i said i work in very professional uh kind of jobs i have always brought that nerdiness to wherever i go so wherever i work i would try to push them to you need to do some nerdy stuff as well how do we get a you know D game going here or how do we promote video games and and all that stuff um and then with my social media stuff, because I love talking about video games, naturally my audience is kind of uh, that folk as well. I've associated with uh, some folks like the Rooster Teeth and Achievement Hunter people, um, some other online influencers that are definitely game focused. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of, you know, another passion of mine that I like talking about. Awesome. When you mentioned that uh, you try to get gaming you try to push gaming in, in your workplaces. Have you had success with that? Has that worked out? Um, a little bit. So an example would be at McDonald's. Um, two years, maybe 2018 Video Game Awards. I was uh, on the red carpet. I actually got to do interviews with a variety of people. Um, you know, I got to interview Ninja and his wife, Jessica. I got uh, voice actors from, you know, a bunch of video games and producers and all that fun stuff. So we've done a little bit of activation there. Um, I've been a part of some other nerdy-ish adjacent kinds of things. So with the Szechuan sauce at McDonald's uh, and the tie-in with Rick and Morty, that was, uh, you know, very much me bringing it to life so ah. that was uh pretty interesting and and yeah so i've been uh and also just the brands that i work for allowing me to still do social media stuff um just because when you work for a gigantic brand they're usually a pretty uh, pretty safe mm-hmm. so allowing their people to do their own stuff 
Um, usually you have to get a little, uh, you know, get checked off that it's okay to do. And I obviously, uh, made sure that everything I did was, was good with them not to get fired and all that fun stuff. So, um, like I said, that, uh, yeah, I still do my own thing while also representing the brands I work for. Um, so yeah, that's where we, uh, how we got to today. That's cool. I mean, uh, as you touched upon there, not getting fired for posting on your personal accounts, I can relate to that. Um, it's something I've, I, if I have an interview at a new workplace, I kind of immediately ask them, oh, by the way, is it okay? Is it okay if I still post on my social accounts and do like freelance work and that? Yeah, yeah it's fine. And, you know, yeah. there's certain things that um, on my end, uh, having worked at NumSkull in the past and working with the licenses they work with, obviously I can't post about leaks for certain games that we're working on merch for anything like that. So I have had to restrict myself on certain things that I'll post. But generally speaking, I've been very lucky in having freedom on my, uh, on my social accounts. Um, yeah. Most of the been, things you've been allowed yeah, that. most of the things they'd look out for would be like, who am I actually engaging with on the internet? You know, it may be somebody, a decisive or, um, you know, somebody that maybe promotes a lot of negative content or a brand that uh, the company I would be hired for doesn't want to associate with for whatever reason. Obviously, if I'm going off of uh, on different rants and being negative towards anybody, that looks negative towards the brand. Uh, but always, you know, ever since I've been on social media, so I was in college when Facebook, you needed a college email address to log on like mm. myspace in its prime i was a part of even aol when that first uh kind of appeared and chat rooms and all that but i've always been very uh you know i've been myself but i've been very reserved as far as i don't really talk politics i don't talk religion i don't badmouth people you know i seldomly swear or promote like uh you know inappropriate topics uh, but I could still be myself and be genuine and organic and exciting without having to engage in that kind of uh, kind of stuff. So, yeah, absolutely got you there. I mean, I, I, much like uh, yourself and I, I suppose we both have our own social accounts. Are kind of still our professional accounts. Like we we are linking to to our work and mentioning our work and stuff yep. on there. So we do have to be careful. But I mean, just from what I've seen of you and, and spoken to you in the past and stuff, I don't imagine uh, i think that's very much sort of you anyway i i, I can't see you posting <laughs> you know overly ridiculous stuff um, yeah i'm usually pretty darn positive even you know i do enjoy when somebody does say like negative things towards me or what i'm doing and i politely and appropriately try to respond so that way maybe they're like you know what you're actually right so a lot of times you know oh you were a corporate chef for mcdonald's what do you know and then i give them my entire career background and they are like i'd like to apologize you do in fact know what you're talking about so anytime i have that opportunity i find that uh pretty fun i love it i love it um something you mentioned earlier again this isn't necessarily uh video game related but i am dead curious you mentioned the szechuan sauce thing oh yeah Okay, that's cool. And um and that so you helped that happen, did you? So this is I probably get the most credit. So this is what happened. McDonald's was giving away Big Mac sauce as a promotion in the United States. Um and then shortly after that the Rick and Morty season three episode one aired where they referenced Szechuan sauce and bringing it back. Uh, an owner operator on Twitter responded to me and said, hey, Chef Mike, if we can give away these Big Mac sauce bottles, shouldn't we give people the Szechuan sauce that they're looking for? 
So I responded to him, you know, publicly that I said, I'll see what I can do. That is all the extent of what I said. Then uh, a few hours later and thousands of retweets, the media says McDonald's chef is bringing back Szechuan sauce and all this stuff like blew up. And I did not say any of those things. Um, so went to the legal department and, uh, you know, the PR group and was like, hey, this is happening. This is what I said. I never said I was bringing it back. Um, but luckily, they wanted to run with it. So the further down the road that it went, kind of the less and less engagement I was allowed to do just because they were it became a big marketing uh, initiative for McDonald's to see how it mm -hmm. went. Um, but I did build relationships with Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. You know, I think I built a, a good little blip of a fan base because I'm a fan of the show and it's something that I pushed McDonald's to want to do. Um, now down the road, uh, there was a lot other, a lot more other things I wanted to do with it, work with Rick and Morty more closely, you know, wait and have more sauce available and all this fun stuff. But, uh, those stars did not align. And then I think everybody knows the story, uh, from, from D-Day. So <laughs> yeah. So of course I don't need to say, I don't need to say stuff that you're not allowed to say or could get in trouble about. So, so. Hmm? Tell me if you don't want to. But obviously that went a bit weird, the whole chess one source thing, with people going absolutely crazy and the uh, the sort of lack of stock for it. It became this huge hmm? media obsession as well. I think in the end, Rick and Morty's craze were probably a bit <laughs> fed up with it. Um, <laughs> so what – I mean, how did you feel about all that? Was that was that crazy to see? Were you getting people tweeting at you? I'm sure you did. Saying, give I, me more of our sauce. And I was getting horrific death threats. I was getting... Over sauce. I, I waited in line for three hours and there wasn't sauce. You owe me. You need to personally... Um, and like I said, at, once it gets to that point, I, I was a corporate chef. I mm. am not trained in marketing. Everything I do with marketing and PR, I've just learned and done organically. So, um, you know, I definitely pushed to try to get them to work a little closer with Rick and Morty. Uh, but we ended up developing artwork that was not, it looked kind of like Rick and Morty, but it was not Rick and Morty related. Um, you know, I think that was the issue that a lot of the fans and ultimately Justin and Dan had a problem with, which I a hundred percent agree is that, you know, their fans wanted this, but we gave them a, what we thought would be a close enough version as opposed to saying, hey, let's let Dan and, and uh, Justin develop the graphics on the cup or, you know, let's go into their office and, you know, let's do commercials with them or something uh, because McDonald's is so conservative. They wanted to stay away from a lot of that, but unfortunately I don't think that uh, helped us out in the long run, but um, I wanted to do a lot more cool stuff, but I uh, was not the boss uh, in any capacity. So it got taken out of my hands. Most definitely. I love how uh, people sending you death threats in their mind. It's just you just you 100% my fault making all of the sauce and putting them in packets and sending them all out and they go oh my store ran out you've got to make more of that sauce mike just yeah, for me and what's funny is so we did in fact make as much as we possibly could obviously when you sure. um sell a product especially through a, a top 100 or the biggest restaurant chain in the world getting 
stuff made, getting it done safely, making ingredient statements, you know, everything you have to do to get a food item made and into a store. They, we jumped through hoops just to get what we had available to the stores. Uh, but obviously, I think it was something like four to 5,000 uh, sauce cups across the United States, but was not nearly uh, enough to make all the people happy. So. I love it. So that you, you didn't actually end up partnering with Rick and Morty because that's owned by like Time Warner, and I suppose that would have been a big complicated process. Correct. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a tie-in product, but it was treated as if it was by fans. Correct. Yes, and that may you know I, I don't think I'm able to discuss, but there was some sure. you know issues there as well. Hmm, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry for sorry for dropping that. I just I, no, I, no worries. Now. I mean, um, I like I said, I'm no longer employed by McDonald's, but I yeah. you know keep my NDA and and all those things close to the heart because that's the last thing I'd want to do is speak out of turn. So yeah, absolutely, of course. Um, speaking of Rick and Morty, have you played any of the Rick and Morty video games? I played the mobile game for a little bit, Pocket Morty's, I believe it was called. I played that for a little bit, um, but most of my gaming uh, has been a little more uh, PlayStation-focused, a little more AAA title, uh, your Call of Duties, Borderlands, stuff like that recently, but I've played a variety of video games throughout my entire life, uh, but not so much the Rick and Morty games. Have you played any of the McDonald's video games? I got to play uh, for like five minutes. Uh, what was that one called? There was like it's like a side scroller McDonald's something or other. I really did not get to play too much. I think there may have been like one hard copy in an archive at McDonald's, oh, wow. but I have not like reached out to get emulators or or try to get the real deal. And then there was an actual board game. Uh, I think from the eighties that I got to play uh, as well, that they had a, a sample of in the office. But other than that, uh, I did not play much of the McDonald's-related stuff. <laughs> Terrible. How dare you? I um, know, right? Ugh. <laughs> I actually would like to see more of that kind of licensed tie-in stuff. I know that Doritos and Burger King um, did some for the Xbox 360, but I can't think of any recent-ish ones yeah nothing oh, recent yeah. i remember growing up i used to play uh spot so it was the seven up uh, little yes. dot i had that game for nintendo that was a lot of fun um trying to think of what some other good real good tie-ins are as far as like restaurant or food brands that's you know one of the one of the big ones there but pepsi man and pepsi man <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah i'd like to see more of that to be honest i think it's yeah and uh you know, it's. Uh, I guess. I guess that sort of thing would be a lot more mobile focused now. Like if McDonald's did decide to do something, it would. It would probably be a mobile. Yeah, I think just thing. because you know, if you compare it to a Call of Duty franchise or a Triple A title, people are going to say, "Oh, McDonald's made a video game." It's only going to get so much as far as credibility uh, of a legit game. That's probably a pretty hard thing to crack. Is how do you make it like a legit mainstream game? while yeah. getting your brand all over it uh it, it could be pretty tough to do but yeah it just wouldn't be possible with the unless you were willing to spend like half a billion on it which is yep. correct um, it's a shame really because i guess it is because of the increased uh budgets and uh, increased number of staff needed but 
it's only really within the last 10 years that sort of licensed tie-ins in general just aren't a thing. Because, yeah. I mean, like you, I grew up on PlayStation. My history is mostly with PlayStation. And on PlayStation 1 or even PlayStation 2, so many tie-ins. For every every movie that came out, every yeah. TV show, is everywhere. Um, just kind of gone now. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's so expensive, the return on investment, um, because then if you... The, the cost for co-branding like that probably, you know, I, I don't know if it's financially feasible for both sides because you may associate with that brand. It may have negative effects on your sales. So looking at just that return on investment for brands to do stuff with games like that uh, might be a, a tough sell. But, yeah, I don't know why. You know, I'm sure somebody could figure out how to do it, but you certainly don't see it as much to your point. Yeah, it's a shame. There's one company, I think they're called Outright Games. Um, they've popped up in the last few years and they've been doing tie-in things, um, which is kind of cool. It's cool to see a company doing that for consoles. But I guess, uh, generally speaking, that sort of stuff is all gonna, it's just going to be on mobile now, which makes makes sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little quicker, uh, a little easier to facilitate and get developed and launched and, um, you know, not dealing with physical copy of anything. It's probably a little safer bet for those kinds of games. Yeah, and then if you step outside of our little gaming bubble for a second, um, a recent stat I saw is that the Minions game on mobile has 1 billion downloads, which is just, that's more downloads than... <laughs> you know mario has ever sold yeah kind of thing it's you know it's obviously it's not comparable because it's a free app i suppose sure sure just download it and probably not play it but it's still a crazy number um so you know if 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 indeed tie-in licensed companies want to do a a tie-in they're going to do it on mobile that's that's where you'll get the the eyeballs Um, yep absolutely just a different market i suppose really um everything every Everything costs so much now in the realm of video games and prices haven't gone up. So it's definitely sure. something that people haven't been considering. Um, yeah, and a, lot, and a lot of those brands, if they are doing, you know, you look at a Disney franchise or, you know, a morning cartoon, a lot of the, the purpose and, and it being successful is not how many people watch it. It's how many people buy the toys or buy the merch yeah, and buy the absolutely. little doll and stuff. So you know, people are probably already going to, let's say, a McDonald's. So if you make a McDonald's game, the return on investment is not, we're going to get people in the door buying more of our stuff. You're looking to make money on the sale of the game. And that's where that defeats the whole purpose of of a lot of the models that are out there right now. Yeah. But whereas in the NES days, that probably made a bit more sense. It probably, it probably costs like a million dollars at maximum. To, to oh yeah, absolutely. I'm sure and they there had were a team of like three or four people making those games. Sure, and there was no other outlets. I mean, with now with how many platforms and mobile and and all that fun stuff when Nintendo was, you know, early on, I'm sure it was a much cheaper investment and then the return on that was probably better at that time. Um you know, you could not just go on uh Steam and download your favorite game. You could not um, you know, go through a online service and get a bunch of movies or whatever. So it was, you know, probably a more prime thing to do then than it is now. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't make any financial sense anymore, I suppose. Um, yeah. Going back to, so you say that most of the games you play at the moment are kind of the AAA kind of Call of Duty and Borderlands and that sort of stuff. 
Yeah. What uh, kind of I, games are you generally playing at the like literally currently then? Um, so I just finished. I'm going through. I I beat Borderlands and all the DLC. I've been doing some of the events that they throw the you know on the uh, uh you know recent weekends. Uh, I'm on Mayhem level six right now. I tried doing Mayhem level seven. I'm not not ready for it just yet. Uh, the next game I have slated because I told myself I wouldn't buy any more until I finish some of the ones I still have in the wrapper. I've got the I've got the Outer Worlds um, up next, um, but I mean I don't exclusively play AAA. I do like I do play throwback stuff. Like I bought the um, Nintendo and Super Nintendo, the recent throwback consoles. I'm mm-hmm. a big uh, turn-based RPG fan, so your Final Fantasy VII's, your uh, Suikoden one and two from way back in the day. Um, I still love all those turn play, turn-based role-playing, and then I do currently I play uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons still. If we're getting a little more <laughs> nerdy, uh, and I play in a 3.5 edition, and I DM a fifth edition, so I'm uh, a little extra nerdy there as well. But I am playing video games every day, whether it be um, you know mainly PlayStation, like I said. But I've got the Switch, I've got uh, Xbox. Breath of the Wild was amazing. God of War is one of my favorite franchises. Um, mm-hmm. I loved like uh, Infamous and you know all yeah. those kinds of games. Looking at my stack here, Spider Man, Detroit Become Human, Destiny Two. I played. So yeah. What Looking did you think of? What did you think of Detroit? Because people were really split on it, and this gives me an opportunity to just talk about it to us. Because it was I fun. Loved it. it was. F- Oh yeah, it was fun for me because I I went from uh I think I played Batman Arkham Knight right before it. Um and mm-hmm. it was a much different story driven. Yes, you have to make some decisions pretty quick, but it was not a run and gun. Um and I thought it was it was a great story that made you think real deep. Uh I played games like uh Firewatch. I don't know if you're familiar with Firewatch. Yeah, um, yeah I love Firewatch. It's a, it's right it's it's very more story driven not necessarily action packed and and you know i'm a big fan of those kinds of things too if you get an emotional connection to whatever you're playing you're more inclined to be like this is awesome so the fact that i thought in detroit become human i was making all these great decisions and then all of those decisions bite me in the butt in the end uh you know i thought it was like oh man now i think about it what would i do in real life if this happened so i i definitely like those experiences as well yeah, totally. Uh, I, I think I think Detroit specifically got a lot of criticism because of I think people feel that David Cage's narrative can be a bit on the nose, and a lot of it was in that game, sure. on the nose. But um, I loved it. But I, I've I've loved all of their games, uh, Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. And then I mean, in Detroit, I feel like those would be the appropriate things you would have to think about. Does your computer now or a AI now has some kind of emotional feeling connection? We've been treating them badly. Is that fair? You know, like um, if they start thinking free thinking, how would we handle that? Are we enslaving them? Are we using them appropriately? It's, it's a very interesting philosophical question that Mm. you never know. I'm assuming that at some point in our existence, um, it will be something we may need to discuss. So who knows? 
Yeah, totally. I mean, those kind of questions, sci-fi has been asking those questions for decades, but it was always a very oh, hypothetical question for, for decades. Whereas we're approaching a time now where that is not far-fetched anymore. That is that that those kind of questions may very seriously need to be asked within my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the sort of stuff that we will need to address. Um, yeah, very interesting. I can imagine Which is I'm crazy people fighting for robots. It is crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, I'll be out there with a with a picket sign fighting for robot rights as an eighty sure. year old man. That'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of make sure not that you want to just pick a winning side for winning side's sake, but like, hey, if AI takes over and deems humans are destroying the world, uh, whose side do you want to be on and why? Uh, it is very interesting. Very interesting. It is. What I'm going to have to do is go through all of my tweets ever and make sure I've never, like, said, fuck you, robots or something. Yeah. <laughs> just wipe it all away. Oh, I've always been on your side, guys. I don't. don't I'd unplug your reason. bitch ass real quick. I would unplug you so fast. <laughs> oh gosh, oh, I'm gonna get murdered by my laptop. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, games like Detroit and, and Firewatch, all those very narrative-based games. I'm, uh, I'm super into those. I, for some reason, haven't been able to get into Borderlands, which is a shame. I really like the art style. I really like that cell shaded art style. Um, I even uh, a lot of people will criticize its humor as being really kind of basic and silly, but I'm like a child at heart, so I'd be totally oh, yeah. with that. Um, but yeah, I just can't get into it for some reason. Um, maybe I do need to just spend some time trying. It, it, it's just one of those I mean, things, I guess. And I definitely go in waves. So, um, what did I play right before Detroit Become Human? Uh, or, um, I think I played Spider-Man right before Borderlands, if I'm not mistaken. So I had uh, I have a three-year-old and a six-month-old. So once mm-hmm. I had uh, the six-month-old, my video game playing definitely slowed down a little bit. So I'm playing a little catch-up. Um, but I like, you know, I, I'll play Spider-Man, which I will gracefully web-sling throughout the entire city. And then go play something like Borderlands, where I spray all the bullets. You know, it, it's fun to just... I'm a, I'm a, as an RPG fan, I'm a very much a level grinder. I want to yeah, find all too. the loot and I want to sell it and get all the money and upgrade as early as possible. Um, just like, um, some of the older God of War titles that I love playing, I would upgrade. You have yeah. to upgrade your base weapon first because then that makes the game a whole lot easier because you're yeah. massive in your one attack. Um, and I kind of like that. You know, I'm not opposed to. Hey, I level grinded so much that the rest of the game is relatively easy for me because I'm a mm. badass. Like, hey, I put my time in. I earned it. Um, and now I could focus a little more on the narrative and the story and all that fun stuff. But it's just fun to spray the bullets. Yeah, I find myself doing that a lot as well because I'm quite into hack and slash games. I actually quite like grinding. I like collecting everything. So I find myself being ahead of where I think I am supposed to be in a lot of games where I'm a bit stronger than I feel I should be and and just annihilating everything with ease. And I feel like that should affect my enjoyment of the game because it becomes easier than it's intended to be, but it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm just enjoying just annihilating everything. Um, just yeah, like uh, when I when I play 
when I play Fallout, I will do every available side mission before I move on to a story yeah. mission. Like, give me all if you if you give me a repeating one that I just can do over and over again. I'm gonna do it for a while, uh, just so I can you know buff up. But um, yeah, I'm definitely one of those kind of uh, those kind of players. Yeah, same for me. Um, maybe I should try it out. Maybe maybe I should try out. Uh... And you've got so many games at your disposal, you don't even have to. You play whatever, you know, whatever titles make you happy. That's all that matters. Yeah, I've 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 only really managed in the last year or so to kind of not stress myself out about being outside of the zeitgeist and what's popular at that time and that sort of thing. Um, and I'm just playing what I want to play. Um, I haven't been reviewing very much in the last year or so because my work with NumScore means that a lot of the licenses that we work with, I can't review their games, obviously. Sure, um, sure. So I, I, guess it's a, much. I guess it's a little harder, too, when you're in the industry, whether you're um, you know, promoting gaming, you're doing the reviews where you need to stay up to date on the newest thing where i am just playing for basically pure enjoyment so it's probably yeah. a little different i mean it's not my job to review games keep up to date on the newest one who's who's the hot esports guy right now and all that like that's the uh, i'm not currently in that world so it's probably a little yeah. different for me um yeah, you're right. Yeah, for me, I've I've always had to be playing whatever I'm reviewing at the time. Uh, like, for example, I haven't played Zelda Breath of the Wild yet, just because when it came out, I wasn't the one reviewing it. Um, it's such a big game, I haven't had the time to go back to it since then. Um, yep. But last year, I kind of made a concerted effort to just finish as many games as possible on my backlog and just really didn't take very much notice of what was coming out because um, yep. I, I was working in PR more than the journalist side at that point. Um, so just, I, I think I got through about 25 games last year, which doesn't sound like an awful lot, but for me, that was a damn lot. Um, yeah, that's not horrible. That's a lot to me. Yeah. That's a lot. Absolutely. Uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm still playing Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal at the moment though. And they've been nice. over a month. I feel like I need to get that done so I can move on. I'm um, not even close to those yet. I haven't even thought about picking them up. I hear great things on both. The internet is all about Animal Crossing and selling vegetables and bartering. Um, you know, come to my island, but I have still yet to even even play them. You, it would be great for you because you can make a little kitchen. You can make a little I, kitchen area. That's what I hear. My, my chef's island, my little chef's island. That's what I hear. That would be wicked. Think about think about the the viral content you can make. <laughs> very on brand very on brand yeah, for me exactly um speaking of kitchens and in video games and stuff so do you have any experience with sort of food related video games have you played overcooked or or anything like that oh you're gonna get so mad but i have not played overcooked but uh, uh one game that i do reference that i talked about before is a role-playing game an rpg for playstation one called suikoden um oh, yeah I don't know if you're familiar, 108 Stars of Destiny, but that was one of the first times where it was like, I can be a couple chef characters in my party, which is amazing. Because like I said, growing up, I've always wanted to be a chef. You know, I, I'm familiar with burger time and all these kinds of things, but that was the first time that you can be like a playable badass chef. Uh, and then when you look at games like Breath of the Wild or Monster Hunter, where food and cooking are kind of a center part of the game, you know, it's not necessarily mm -hmm. a cooking game, but 
Um, you know, they took a lot of time and effort to make those food Final Fantasy 15 I played. There was a whole lot of food related stuff in there of how that I think anytime, like I said before, you get an emotional connection to a thing, you are more inclined to enjoy it and everybody's got to eat. So if you can appropriately get foods and things like that in video games where, oh, I remember uh I had cup of noodles when I was a poor college student, and now for whatever reason in Final Fantasy 15, there's a whole big cup of noodles truck that's pretty <laughs> obvious product placement, but it's awesome that it's there. Uh, like, I get what's going on here, but that's pretty cool. Um, I kind of like that connection when I'm playing. Me too. I mean, I, I see a lot more of that recently where cooking is becoming uh, a theme in video games. Uh, you brought up Final Fantasy 15. The food in that looks utterly ridiculous it is obscenely high detail and, and delicious looking they it definitely had to put in a lot of time and a lot of work to do that i would imagine you get some fancy uh you know food stylists in there to make these beautiful plates uh and mm -hmm. then base your uh your art off of that that's probably took a lot of time a lot of work because it's an extensive list of things you can make so yeah it's crazy um but i guess food has always been an important aspect in gaming which sounds silly but i guess it being such a core part of the human experience in general it's not that big of a surprise mm -hmm. um you know things like chicken and walls in castlevania and oh yeah and health items historically in games so pac-man is just game. bonus points you know getting apples and yep. other fruits and stuff that's been there yep. the whole time it's been there the whole time and it's been waiting for you and your love of video games and your love of <laughs> chefness to combine the two. To have take you ever over made, the world. <laughs> take over the world. Have you ever made any um, sort of in-game video game food in real life? Um, I have only done the extent when I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so when there's like a pub or something, every once in a while, I've made uh, some food that represents something that uh, we talk about in the game. Um I've got all those cool cookbooks, like the Fallout cookbook, the World uh, of Warcraft cookbook. Like, there's a whole bunch of them that came out not too long ago. I mm. have all those, and have you know looked through them. Uh, a lot of times when I'm cooking personally, or you know what I'm doing for my YouTube channel, I'm going extremely basic. You know, a lot of what I do is make it up as I go along, or use the ingredients I have available. So I'm not necessarily replicating things from video games. However, with my growing YouTube channel and everything I'm trying to do, that's probably an avenue I might be looking into shortly. Like, um, you know, maybe I'll make Lambus bread from Lord of the Rings or, um, you know, like you said, some of the meals from Monster Hunter or uh, Breath of the Wild and things like that. Mm. So that might be something I'll do in the future, but just not nothing planned as of yet. Cool. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. So at the moment you're doing... Uh, your your YouTube channel that you, uh, is that a recent thing your YouTube channel? Yeah, that's uh, due to quarantine times. I was like, hey, I got some free time. I might as well start. Um, the channel's called Chef Mike Does Stuff, and it's very much geared towards those people who have zero cooking ability. It's very yeah. relaxed. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's very relaxed. There's not really recipes because the things I'm making like mashed potatoes. Um, or, um, what else did I do? I did like a smoked pulled pork or, a, a, a smoked pork butt 
some barbecue, but I actively try to make it as simple and as easy. And sometimes it's a little hard because I am a trained chef and I would do things a certain way, but this is not geared towards a trained chef. It's geared towards somebody who's never even really been in a kitchen. Um, so that's kind of, and when you look at all of the cooking content and, and food videos, usually even the kind of amateur-ish ones start out with a little bit of knowledge people already have in the kitchen. Um, so I thought that this would be a consumer or viewer that does not have a lot of the beginner cooking videos for them. So that's why I kind of geared it that way. I like that, actually, mostly because that is exactly I, I am your demographic, basically. Um, my my extent of cooking <laughs> is like cheese sandwiches and stuff. So I will actually definitely have to check that out and maybe try some. Um, that sounds good that you that you really simplify it because, awesome. um, you know, it sounds stupid. But a, a lot of those items you've just said, I wouldn't I wouldn't know what I was doing. Um, so, yeah, that actually sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's been over pretty good so far. I think I've only done like 10 or 11 videos. I got something like 4,000 subscribers. I'm just looking to get to uh, monetize time. Uh, and because I've been in the industry f so long, I think I might have some good opportunities to work with some other brands and make videos with them and, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that, that would be, that's really interesting. So do you see yourself doing more of that um, now then? Uh, now that, uh, especially during quarantine shenanigans, I mean, uh, it's definitely a good time that I could invest a lot of time to understand what my brand is, how to make the vi I've never made YouTube videos. I don't live stream, uh, on Twitch or anything like that. I've, I have them and I'm familiar with all of them. I just never made content in that type of, uh, venue before. Uh, so I'm, I'm figuring it out as i go along uh one of the cool things is you know i can obviously invest in all this really expensive cameras and lighting and all this stuff i'm familiar with production but i am mm. i'm starting off like i filmed my first video just an iphone uploaded the video everybody's feedback was oh this is cool but you gotta film in landscape it looks stupid this okay i'll fix that then they're like oh your sound sounds funny okay so then i'll get a new microphone or there's too much echo, so I'll get cheap moving blankets and hang them up to reduce the echo from the microphone. So, like, I am actively listening to the audience who's watching and making up upgrades and trying to understand what they want to see as well. And maybe if the audience wants me to do different stuff or more, like, food porn, indulgent, big, massive, whatever, maybe I'll start doing more of that. But I'm um, definitely being very reactive to what uh, the viewer is responding to. Cool. I love that. I'm looking forward to I I haven't actually watched any of your videos yet, but I am definitely going to uh, watch some of those. And I will sincerely try and make some of those some of those food dishes. Um, awesome. And I will play more video games so that we can discuss more uh, more video games. <laughs> there we go. We're all doing our bit. We're all doing our bit. Um, cool. So I guess we will wrap up here. Um, we kind of touched upon it a bit, but do you want to let everyone know where they can find you in the online sphere? Sure. So on any social media, my name, you know, just search my name, Mike Harris, and it's spelled H-A-R-A-C-Z. It's spelled ridiculous because I'm Polish. And then my, uh, my YouTube channel is Chef Mike Does Stuff. So you can easily search that and I will, uh, I'll have some videos up there. And I'm going to be making – what am I doing today? I'm actually making – I did a – the cow tipper. So it is Kevin Smith 
you know, directed clerks and mall rats and all that. Uh, the restaurant, the fictional restaurant movies in clerks too. There's this big poster talking about the cow tipper, which is this gigantic four level six pound burger. So I replicated that on my YouTube channel. And then the folks at the impossible burger, you know, the, the vegan, uh, plant-based yeah. protein company we're like well kevin smith is also vegan so do you we'll send you some product can you make one with our stuff and i'm like heck yeah so i'll be making a vegan cow tipper uh today and that should hopefully go up later today so we'll see how it turns out that's cool yeah by the time people listen to this that that will be live so go and go and check that out and see if you can nice. make it. i won't be able to um yeah that's really cool i'm definitely going to check all that stuff out um and then on my end, obviously, if people don't know, you can follow me on at Toads Anime on Twitter. Um, there's also a lovely Patreon. Why not go and give money oh. to that? Something more important, like <laughs> food. Um, <laughs> um, thank you very much for coming on. It was uh, awesome having you here and talking about video games and food and all that goodness. It was absolutely my pleasure. Let me know when you want me to hang out again and we could talk just video games. I'd be Ooh. more than happy to. Brilliant. Awesome stuff. Right. Thank you for coming on and we will catch you next time. Bye. Awesome. Have a good one. This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can support it at patreon.com slash toadsanime and listen to the next episode before it releases. Alternatively, spend it on something more important like a lovely happy meal.